Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's uh, continue, Gordon, as we prepare for the upcoming football season, previewing all the major opponents for our local teams. Today, we take a look at the Arizona State Sun Devils. Joining us now, he covers ASU for 98.7 FM down there in Phoenix. Vince Murata with us here on The Big Show. Hi, Vince. How are you? Good. How are you doing, guys? We're You're doing not, We're doing great. Vince, i gotta, I, I got to tell you something that you probably will laugh at. Uh, but you're down there in the in the summer heat, I imagine. We're up here; it's hot where we are. But inside our studio, it's like 60 degrees. So we're like wearing sweatshirts and uh, and uh, you know, parkas and whatnot in here. That's something you can't relate to at all, can you? No. What are sweatshirts and parkas? <laughs> I'm not even familiar with the concept. Yeah, but do you ever do you ever go even in the heat or because of the heat down there? Do you ever go into you know stores or? Or places where they are, have cranked the AC so much that you feel like you're gonna, you know, it's a shock to the system. Yeah, you know what? Speaking of the studio issue, our more—I do middays. Uh-huh. So we're on ten to two, and our morning show—I don't know if, if you remember Ron Wolfley. He was uh, kind of a crazy sure. former fullback. Uh-huh. Uh, he does our morning show, and they keep it like a meat locker in there. So it, it our studio is usually like 66, 67 degrees, which is really cold for us. So yeah, yeah I can kind of relate to it. Okay, that. good. I'm so glad this is how you've chosen to start off our yeah, interview with Vince. I, 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 we're bonding over here. Leave us <laughs> you, alone, can, will you? I can tell. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, Vince, uh, give us a little look. How is uh, how is the program under Coach Herm Edwards going into year number two? What kind of job is he doing? Um, well, I'll tell you, when, when this whole thing rolled out, you would be hard-pressed to find a bigger critic of it than me locally. Um, you know, somebody went to ASU, um, and, and it's, it's – you know, followed and, and covered the program for a long time. I didn't understand what direction they were going in, but I got to say, you know, what a difference a year makes. Um, they overachieved last year, I thought, uh, finishing second in the South again. Um, they're a buttoned-up program. Uh, they've kind of changed the way they operate, and it, it sounded kind of like a cockamamie idea when they rolled it out, and it was kind of a clunky rollout too, but with all the involvement from NFL people, former NFL people in this program, I, I would say year one was a, a rousing success, and I think uh, you know, the trajectory is definitely headed in the right direction going into year two. What is it about him? Is this uh, knowledge on his part? Is it charisma? Is it the staff he's put together? What's going on positive? I think you know three things you just hit on. It's a combination of all of those things. First and foremost, it's his personality. Uh, Herm Edwards... Now, if you want to judge him on, on his coaching record in the NFL, sure, there, there was some knocks against him. He wasn't as successful a head coach. But the one thing you can't deny is the charisma, the personality that, that just draws people to him, and people want to perform for him. Um, the staff that he's put together, I mean, adding Marvin Lewis as, as a consultant in year two. I mean, Kevin Mawai is going into the, into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and He's on the staff. Derek Hagan, a former wide receiver who is ASU's all-time leading receiver, had a long career in the NFL. He's part of the staff, too. So they're really appealing now to try to make ASU a more um, 
uh, attractive option, I guess, for, for prospects who want to play football on Sundays and not just Saturdays. Vince Murata with us from 98.7 FM down there in Phoenix, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now, Vince, obviously finding a new, uh, another Nikhil Harry is, is probably impossible, but talk to us about turning over that offense because Manny Wilkins, I know he was a little controversial down there, but he was a, a really good player as an upperclassman. How hard is it going to be to replace that production? Um, yeah, those two are, are, are big losses. Obviously, we'll, we'll start with Harry. Uh, to use your phrase, I don't think they can find another Nikhil Harry. I mean, he's just a physical freak who uh, really contributed and, and produced big time for, for three years. Uh, became kind of a security blanket even you know, as his career rolled on, started to contribute on special teams as a returner. He was a special guy. They've got some talent at the receiver position. Uh, I think a guy to watch really this year is Brandon Ayuk, who is a junior college transfer, um, showed some glimpses last year going into his senior season, but uh, at one point was was attached to, to Alabama, going to their program. So uh, he's kind of the breakout candidate, and they have you know, Frank Darby as a deep threat, and, and Kyle Williams has been really steady as a possession receiver. The quarterback question is, is the burning one down here, guys. I mean, uh, Manny Wilkins, yeah, you're right. He was a divisive figure. A lot of the ASU fan base loved him. A lot of the ASU fan base thought he was very limited in what he was able to do, um, but he was productive, and he was uh, what we what we call down here a great sun devil. Um, he's going to be missed. They have four candidates right now for that starting position, um, which is interesting. Dylan Sterling Cole is going into his junior season. He was highly touted a couple of years ago, but really hasn't played that many snaps. And when he has, it was before he was ready to play started a game up in Oregon a few years ago that, that didn't go very well. And then they have three freshmen, including Jaden Daniels, who's uh, the most exciting of the bunch. Uh, and the way Herm Edwards and the coaching staff are approaching this right now is, is they're treating this as a, as a four-horse race going into fall camp. Well, a, a couple of places where there are not question marks. Uh, you got a pretty good running back down there, Benjamin. Uh, talk a little bit about him and also – the other name that pops out to me when I look at the roster is linebacker Merlin Robertson. Yeah, starting with Benjamin, he's unlike any player I think I've ever seen uh, wearing an ASU uniform, and I've been watching this program for 40 years. Um, he might be the most difficult running back to bring down I've seen, and not based on his physical size, but he has this uncanny balance. Um, you, know, where you, you know, you think he's knocked off his feet, and he'll put a hand in the ground and, 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 and pop back up and gain five, six more yards. Um, the question I have with, with Benjamin this year is he carried such a workload last year, and they really didn't have much in terms of threats behind him. I'm wondering if he can hold up, because um, you know, I, I think they're going to be run-oriented again, regardless of who the quarterback is. Can he hold up and, and, and carry that workload again for a second straight season? Because they really – you know, they didn't have a running back in their recruiting class, and they really have a lot of question marks behind Benjamin. As long as he stays healthy, they're set. But uh, if anything should happen to Eno, then they could be in trouble. Uh, Merlin Robertson, yeah, he is a stud. Um, he came in day one and looked like a veteran back there, and that was kind of his, his um, M.O. going into the season. As they said, you know, he's, he's a steady season linebacker that it's going to make a difference, and he did from day one. And, and uh, a couple of other guys in that defense that that's, uh, stepped up early in their careers, too. Another linebacker, Darian Butler, showed glimpses. Uh, Shari Crosswell was a uh, safety who I thought really struggled in the first half of his freshman year, 
But in the second half of the season, he was one of the more productive players on the defense. So, yeah, they do have some pieces on that side of the ball to work around as well. Uh, Vince Murata with us, 98.7 FM down there in Phoenix. Now, Vince, uh, just kind of some background on this question I'm going to ask. We have a, a host of our morning show, Patrick Hinahan, who's actually a, a graduate of Arizona State. In fact, he's got family down there has done, and has done some shows from your guys' studios uh, down there before. But uh, he, I've talked to him for years now about why Arizona State can't keep more local Phoenix kids home. And he has a variety of different theories, but I'd be curious as to your answer to that question. Yeah, that is something that has plagued <laughs> longtime fans. I think it's plagued people at the university for a long time because every coach, whether you go back to, you know, Dirk Cutter or Dennis Erickson after him or Todd Graham, you know, we're going to build a wall around Phoenix and, and, and not let these recruits um, escape. And, and we've seen that continues to be a trend. I don't know if I have an answer that is deeper or more logical than just the tendency for blue trip recruits to get away from from home to go to college and, and play at you know prestigious universities and football programs um, until there's consistent winning. I think that will remain uh, a problem, an issue for this program, and, and we haven't seen the consistent winning. We've seen a lot of kind of five hundred six, seven win seasons uh, over the last 25 years or so at ASU. And I I think until they can consistently get to the double digits and compete for for Rose Bowl titles or Pac-12 titles, that's going to be the reality for this program. Got a related question. You know, you've been following Arizona State for a long, long time. I I remember watching them back in the seventies. Remember that team when they surprised everybody, beat Nebraska. And, oh yeah. And, and I always looked. I've been to Arizona State. I've been to games there. I've studied the teams at times. I've been subjected to to Patrick Kinahan's uh, complaints about the program, <laughs> and he talks about them all the time or not. But when I think of Arizona State, I think this should, this should be a, a dominant program. I, I don't understand why it's not. Is it just what you were talking about in answering Jake's question, or has there been something else at play here? Well, another thing, I mean, there's a, a couple things related to that question. Um, you know, when they were that dominant program in the, in the 70s under Frank Cush, they were playing in the WAC conference, and they, they were dominating that conference. And, uh, you know, getting to, to bowl games and being able to – compete against those those teams around the country that they normally wouldn't get a chance to play. Um, so I think that's a factor. Just the, the quality of, of the Pac-12 um, is a big factor in that. The other thing is the landscape of the Phoenix sports scene has changed so much. I mean, I moved to, to Arizona when I was a kid. I was born in New York. We moved out in 1979. And I knew ASU football was big when I got here as, as a young sports fan, but I didn't realize it was it was close to a religion. I mean, the, the the city shut down on Saturday nights. Since that time, I mean, they had one professional sports team in the Suns at that time. Since that time, they've added, you know, the Cardinals got here in 88, the, the Coyotes in 96, the Diamondbacks in 98. So the sporting landscape has changed. That's not even considering all of the uh, the secondary fringe sports that have been added in the Valley as well. It's a very saturated market, and I think that has, uh, in combination with the lack of consistent winning, has kind of carved out the niche for, for ASU football in this program, I or sn- in this market, I should say. Vince, I want to sneak in another question real quick. Uh, what do you think of the Utes? Uh, a lot of people are favoring them to win the South. They won it last year. Some people think they can go farther than that this time around. What do you think? 
I, you know, I may be way off on my assessment of the Utes, and it's probably something you've heard before, but I'll throw it out there. Defensively in special teams, I mean, they're a nightmare to deal with on, on a week-in, week-out basis, and that's been consistent under Whittingham. They always have a good running back. I always have a question mark about their, their quarterback, and, uh, it, and with apologies to Tyler Huntley, who's, who's really taken strides in his career, I don't know if he's the guy to elevate them to the next level. Um, is, that, is that fair? Uh, I'll ask you guys because you guys have watched a lot more Utah football than me. I think the question is fair. I do. Mm-hmm. I, although, Jake, I think you agree with me that we're, we're sort of expecting him now that he's got uh, his feet under him to really uh, have the potential for a terrific year this time around. He's talented. There's no doubt about it. And it was, uh, he went down in the ASU game at Tempe last year. And it was kind of a, uh, you know, unfortunate uh, occurrence for, for Utah. But when he went out, their, their chance to win that game really went bye bye. Um, but, you know, when I do watch from a cursory standpoint against other opponents, I just, maybe it's the offense, maybe it's the, the talent around him in the receiving core. Um, but it's been consistent in my, in my opinion with Utah football. That's kind of what stands out to me. <clears throat> excuse me. All right, <clears throat> Vince. <clears throat> excuse me. Jeez. One more. <clears throat> one more thing from me before we let you go, Vince. Uh, what's it like working for Ryan Hatch? Is it still as delightful as it used to be when he was here in Salt Lake City? Oh, it's uh, it's a pleasure. I I kiss the ground of the studio and I walk in every day. <laughs> no, Ryan's great. I mean, he's got so many plates spinning in, in his position with what he does for our station in Phoenix. Um, and you know, in terms of experience. And respect in the industry. I mean, you got a question, the guy knows the answer. He knows everybody in the industry. So it, it, it's been really cool to work for him. I got to tell you, I did a show with him when he was 18 years old. And uh, <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I, I couldn't believe it uh, that a kid that young could uh, could pull that off the way he did. And his career has gone from there. So uh, not really all that surprised. No, I, I mean, he, he always talks about his, his experience as a play-by-play announcer and a talk show host, and I don't have really any background of him as an on-air personality. I just know he's been in this market now in a, in a leadership role for well over a decade. And then I realized that he's far younger than me, and it gets depressing. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you ever need any dirt, Vince. Uh, we got it. Yeah, we got sure. plenty. Oh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll come to you guys first, definitely. Yeah, we got plenty of that. Well, Vince, we, we really <laughs> appreciate you taking a few uh, minutes and coming on and previewing the Devils for us, man. All right. Thank you. Anytime, guys. Thanks, Vince. Yeah, really interesting what he said about the Utes, I thought. Um, first of all, real, Not surprising, real quick, though, right? Yeah, real quick, about the Devils. Uh, that Benjamin kid, he is a stud. He's legit. That yeah. guy is good. And uh, I, I think Ute fans are still reeling a little bit from that loss down there against Arizona State. Well, which one? Because they've had some just well, soul crushers along last, the way. Last year. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, as far as what he said, I think that is the impression that the Ute football program has left around the league. Maybe around the country. Well, is that? I, I guess what I'm saying is, is that really a big surprise? I mean, take just their their efforts against Arizona State. I mean, think back to how many years ago was that? Where where Kyle Whittingham basically told Dave Christensen he was not allowed to pass the ball in the second half of the game. Remember that with Travis Wilson, where he literally would not let him attempt to pass. Uh, so there's guys like Vince who are watching that happen, yeah. and are we really surprised that that's the impression that he comes away from watching uh, Utah football? What do you think about Tyler Huntley? Do you think that this could be a year where the quarterback does break out and do 
what's precisely needed in order to guide this ship that's really full of talent. Okay, so that's a, a bit of a complex question because I, it depends on what's precisely needed. I mean, if you lower the bar of precisely needed, then all right. Well, if, I, uh, and the scary thing about that question is that Kyle Whittingham might be tempted to think, all right, what's been my mantra all along with quarterbacks? Don't turn the ball over. Don't make foolish errors that's going to put my defense in a bad spot. And a quarterback has to be able to feel free, you know, to be able to execute plays and not be all worked up about or worried about making mistakes. I think that's when you get plagued with it even more. And so you got to be careful with it. Well, I guess what I said about like where the bar is for precisely needed, I, I'm saying like if you look at last year and the Utes just for some reason decided not to give the ball to Zach Moss for the first 30 of the year or whatever it was. And Tyler Hundley struggled, right? Because you put it all on him. And he maybe doesn't have the skill set or maybe the weapons. Maybe it's not even his fault, you know, to to go out and carry that kind of load. But you look in October when Zach Moss, the carries really started picking up and he really started to roll and the pressure gets taken off Tyler Huntley. And Uh all of a sudden he's able to go out there and be much more effective. See, I think if if the Utes are a run oriented offense, because that's I mean, that's what Vince is talking about. And that's what they are. And if they use be, their you, if they use their stud, it means that Tyler Huntley doesn't have to do as much, and he can go out there and play his game. Okay, there's a couple of ways of looking at it. One, if that's going to be what it is, you can still be a really effective quarterback and be a run oriented. Absolutely, yes. The but that gets back to what I was talking about before, because on those times you do have an opportunity to do something, you've got to take advantage of it. Let's say they give the ball to, to Zach Moss, picks up five yards. Then they give the ball to Zach Moss again, or maybe another running back picks up nah, a yard and a half because the defense is keying on that. Now you got a situation where the quarterback has to execute that play or the drive dies. I mean, this is simple football here. But if you, if you, if you don't connect with your pass or you're tempted to just take off running and do it yourself, then the offense doesn't run the way it has to run in order to fulfill that potential we've talked about. So if you do have few opportunities to throw the ball, when you do throw it, you got to make it work. And if you know that, then that in and of itself carries pressure, not in quantity, but in quality. Mm-hmm. And he's got to go out there and make those plays. I agree. But I just think, I mean, you brought this up when we were talking about the Doak Walker situation with, with Zach Moss. If he's a, if he runs for 1,700 yards, I mean, the Utes are going to be in control of a lot of games. And that's going to mean that they can hit a bunch of home run balls. And I'm, I'm thinking back to, like, the Stanford game last year where they were so successful running the ball. Man, that game gave Tyler Huntley a lot of room to operate. And he went out there and he played the best game at the time of his career. And I don't think that that's a coincidence, I guess, is what I'm getting at. And, and in your scenario, if I'm a quarterback looking at third and three, I love that a whole lot more than looking at third and eight. Yeah. And yeah. I think I have a lot more options to go out and make that critical play that you're talking but see, about. If, you're a thr- if your quarterback is throwing the ball a lot, then uh, think back, uh, all you old-timers, think back to Ty Detmer. I mean, he was winging the ball all over the field, and there were times when he threw 28 interceptions that one year. I mean, he's making mistakes, but he's doing all kinds of good things, too. 
it's the pressure was on him on the whole to help carry the team. But the pressure was not on him that he had to execute a play on a given drive as in the same way that we're talking about here, where everything stalls even though you are not winging the ball all over the field. And so the pressure comes to you because you're not. And you're not getting a lot of opportunity to do that. So when you do, you have to be precise. Yep. It's weird, but you can feel pressure under both scenarios. You can. I agree. I my, my opinion certainly is, though, if you get him in a bunch of second and threes where they really have options coming out their ears, yeah. a lot of good stuff's going to happen. Tyler Huntley certainly good enough to take advantage of those situations. You would think so. And if it, with any luck for him, he's not taking matters into his own hands and his own feet. Or doesn't have to, sir. And having to do that yeah. all the time. I agree. All right, come join the zone in ARUP Tuesday, July 23rd from noon till 6. ARUP is located 9786 South, 500 West. Come save a life and donate some blood. Takes only 30 minutes and you'll receive a Megaplex gift card and a popcorn voucher, not to mention a bunch of jazz gear. So join us on Tuesday the 23rd. Come donate some blood. We'll have more of the big show coming up next. Big, big thanks to Vince Morata from 98.7 FM down there in Phoenix for joining us. We'll get that up online at 1280thezone.com coming up shortly. Don't forget, Mike Conley is going to be on the show at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. You don't want to miss it. Big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This You Into Golf 2019 Open Update is brought to you by Zions Bank, Hoops Vision, Siegfried and Jensen, and Barbecue Pit Stop on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thank you for making us a part of your day. Yes, it is time for the Open Championship. And real quick, before we get out to Bob Casper, it's time for you to be uh, to have a chance to win. It's our You Win a Golf Major Golf Giveaway. Be caller 12 right now, and we're going to assign you a player. Gordon, what we've done is we've uh, taken a pool of players, 1 through 29, and we'll assign them to listeners. Uh, who call in randomly, and uh, one listener will get 30 in the field. It's this simple. If your player wins, you win a golf bag. You win a golf. Any bag they have in stock, color, brand, styles, it's all up to you. Brought to you by You Went to Golf, serving Utah golfers since 1971, home of the 90-day 100% satisfaction guarantee. Real quick before we get to Bob, what one golfer would you be cheering for, Gordon, if you were participating what one golfer would you be hoping to get probably oh i don't know about that uh, but uh, how about jordan speed okay i like it uh let's get out to the zone phone the sprint special guest line joining us now from real golf radio each and every saturday morning our good friend bob casper hi bob hey guys how you doing we are terrific what do you think about uh, gordon thinking speed has a good shot at this jordan speed wow he's dropped a long ways in the in the world rankings and has uh and his rankings as far as what he's been able to do with uh, um, his ball striking and all that kind of thing, he's he's kind of really off right now. But you know what? There wouldn't be a better place for him to be able to get back in the saddle again and, and get, get cruising. He hasn't won for three years, and the last time he won was the Open Championship, the British Open. Now, let me clarify, because when you asked me that question, Jake, it wasn't I was predicting that he had a good chance. I was hoping that he would have a good showing. Well, I'm just saying, See, the, golfer you'd, you, Gordon. Yeah. the golfer totally you'd want to be assigned you, Gordon. Though. Right, I, I get it. You'd probably but want he, to win. He would be easy for me to root for, I'll say it that way. 
Because yep. I think he's Absolutely. good for golf, and it would be good to have him bounce back. Yeah. Yep, no doubt. What do you think about uh, Brooks Kepka's admission that he doesn't practice unless it's a major, Bob? Well, you know, I, I, uh, I said something earlier to, um, to Tony. Um, you know, I understand that he's ruffled some feathers and that kind of thing, almost like he doesn't care that he, he plays golf because he's good and he makes lots of money at it and that kind of thing. But I think, in my opinion, I think he's kind of throwing out some gamesmanship. Um, I think he's just kind of saying, hey, guys, you know what? I only practice at majors and I still beat you. So um, take that you know, type of thing. And I, I just think, uh, you know, that he just kind of throws stuff out there and to see what happens. And, um, and he's probably getting, he's probably getting a lot of guys thinking about it. And a lot of guys that, you know, in the media and that kind of thing that are, uh, taking a little bit of offense to it. Now, I know this is a factor in every major, but it seems like over there at the open championships, it, championship is even more that way is weather. And yeah. it's going to have an effect on who wins and who loses, isn't it, Bob? Yeah, and it's not only it's not only yeah it's it's the weather, and it's a lot of times it depends on the side of the draw that you're on, whether you play in the morning or whether you play in the afternoon. If if it's consistent weather the first two days, and you don't have one part of the draw that gets uh, an advantage over the other part of the draw, then it becomes then it becomes pretty consistent. But you know you're looking at rain almost every day anywhere from 40 to 70 percent rain uh the winds aren't going to be that bad they're going to be 10 to 15 maybe 20 miles an hour um but this is a golf course that is it is one that they haven't played in 70 years so it's a new course for just about everybody as far as the open championship is concerned some of the guys that live over there in ireland have played the golf course but it it there's a couple holes that have been been redone um, but it's, you know, it's a phenomenal test of golf. All the players love it. Um, we're going to have a treat watching the golf uh, over the next few days as they determine the championship and the, and the champion and golfer of the year because the views are phenomenal, and uh, it's going to be a really fun week. Didn't Rory win something or shoot a great round when he was 16 on that course? Yep. Yeah, he won an amateur an, an amateur event when he was 16. There, he shot 61. Wow, shot 61 as a 16 year old. But it's harder now, is what you're saying? Yeah, you know, in, in an amateur event, you wouldn't play it as hard as as these guys will play it for um, the Open Championship. But it's it's going to be tough. The setup of the course, the 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 rough. Um, They've added some bunkers. There's only 59 bunkers on the golf course. It's going to play about 7,300 yards with only three par fives. Um, it, yeah, it's going to be a tough test of golf. And if if the if the wind doesn't blow too much, and and the moisture stays in the golf course like it's supposed to with with the rain and that kind of thing, um, then I think these guys are going to play pretty well. Bob Casper with us from Real Golf Radio. Bob, uh, Phil Mickelson has become a, a social media uh, uh, phenom. He oh, he's oh. he's hilarious. Is is he? What do you make of that? Is is this the re, the real Phil Mickelson that we're getting a look at, or is this kind of him trolling everybody? I, you know, probably would know him a little bit better than us. What what do you make of his social media account? Oh, I, th- I think he's. I think he's a crack up. Phil Mickelson prides himself as being a know-it-all. I, I, I saw. I saw the one um, the fireside chat recently yeah. with with Zach Johnson. It was hilarious. Uh, 
Oh, it was hilarious because Zach said, you know, you were absolutely right. And he goes, yeah, next time save some time because I am right. Um, but that's the guy that Phil Mickelson is. He's got a great sense of humor. Um, you know, the guys like him for the most part. And, uh, and yeah, he's, it's pretty much that's how he is. A lot of people have made a big uh, fuss over Tiger and whatnot. But what about Phil? Do you expect him ever to challenge for a major championship again or win one? Well, um, you know, he's, what, 49 now? Um, just turned 49 uh, on Sunday of the U.S. Open, I think is what it was. Um, you know, he, he's, he's got some health issues with the psoriatic arthritis. He just went, um, he just did a six-day fast um, of nothing but liquid. Um, to, he said he wanted to reset his kind of his body, and then and then coming out of that, he's eating more plant-based like products and protein and stuff like that. Uh, lost like 15 or 16 pounds in six days, hmm. and uh, and he said he's feeling much better, has a lot more energy, but he's trying to do some things to prolong his career going forward. Um, as far as um, continuing a major championship, I I think there are. Some majors that he can contend in, I, I would I would say probably the Masters, Augusta National, would be one. Um, any of the others, maybe the PGA Championship. Any of the others, I find it hard for him. What's the uh, television broadcast schedule look like tomorrow, Bob? What time do things get going? Well, things get going um, tonight at eleven thirty eight, eleven thirty p.m. Hmm. You pulling it all nighter? One thirty Eastern, and then and then it's over by four o'clock in the afternoon, um, Eastern time, which is two o'clock our time. So, I will definitely watch some. It's going to be on record, so that when I fall asleep, I can go back and I can go back and watch some more. <laughs> Let me ask you the same question that Jake uh, asked me: uh, of all everybody in the field, who are two guys that you would favor? Well. Okay, so the two logical guys that I would favor would be, of course, Brooks Kepka, um, with what he's been able to do with his his play, especially in majors over the last couple of years, um, with his with his wins, you know, back to back wins in the U.S. Open, back to back wins in a in a, uh, a PGA Championship, and this year, you know, he finished second at the Masters, he won the he won the PGA, finished second at the U.S. Open. So, um, yeah, I would, I would think that, you know, he's probably the guy that you would say, absolutely, he's going to win. Now, now Rory McIlroy um, is kind of the hometown kid. He's the guy that, that's got all the pressure on him to win because he's from Northern Ireland and everybody wants him to win. So he's going to have a lot of people rooting for him. But that can, you know, that can go one of two ways. Either you, you thrive by it or um, the pressure gets too hard. We've seen him at the at the Masters every year when he's had a chance to win the Career Grand Slam, and that pressure that gets you winning the Career Grand Slam because only you know a handful of guys have done it. Um, he hasn't been able to convert that yet. So I, I would say those are probably the two top guys as far as as far as um, the public and the betting betting ranks are, are concerned. Um, I like somebody that's going to play on this golf course that uses their mind a little bit better, um, that can get the ball in the fairway, um, hitting it right to left or left to right off the tee, hit and varying their their trajectories and that kind of thing. Um, 
that guy, you know, the, the guy that's always been the best at doing that kind of thing is Tiger. Um, but, you know, he just hasn't played in a lot of golf this year. I mean, if I had to go out and, and pick, um, I think I think Xander Shoffley is going to be a sleeper. He played great last year. He played great at the, at the Masters this year. Um, I think he would be a good one. Um, and then, um, you know, I'll, I'll go with Dustin Johnson. Well, Bob, we certainly appreciate you jumping on and look forward to your coverage tomorrow and Friday. Thanks, man. You got it, man. Bob Casper, Real Golf Radio. Catch him each and every Saturday morning alongside Brian Taylor. And their coverage from the Masters is always, or Masters, excuse me, the major tournaments is always terrific. Yeah. I guess yeah. the Masters would be included. Those guys right? know what they're talking about, man. It's a lot of fun listening to them, and it always has been. So, Want to uh, join us coming up on Friday from 3 to 6 at the Warehouse, 1967 South, 300 West. Price is so low, it will blow your mind. That's the Warehouse. Coming up next, we have a Not Sports Report followed, uh, followed by... Mike Conley, who's going to join the show at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. You don't want to miss it. It is the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. You guys need to get over this thing. Okay? This habit of yours when you go to the movies. I don't think it's a habit. I was taught not to put your feet on the furniture. Plain and simple. <laughs> so when I go to the movie theater, when it has the <laughs> recliner, uh-huh. watching a flick, uh-huh. I, uh, I take my shoes off and I get comfortable. At the movie theater. At the movie theater. Now I make sure my socks don't just smell disgusting. And no, uh-huh. I don't walk around the movie theater with my shoes off. I'm not like going out and standing in line at the concessions <laughs> or going to the restroom. <laughs> and I make sure that socks don't smell. Uh, How do you make sure of that? People. Wear new socks before you go. So you change your socks before going before to the movies? Before going to the movies because I know I'm going to take my shoes off. <laughs> and I don't want to disrupt other people. Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Take us one flight. We'd be in the same time zone. Looking through your timeline. Big show 97.5, 1280 the zone. Want to remind you, Mike Conley is coming up top of the five o'clock hour. Going to interview one of the newest jazz men. But until then, it's time for the Not Sports Port brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? Going to Brigham City. Ooh, right here, a local story. Yes, it is. Uh, maybe some of our listeners saw this story, but a kid who was selling uh, well, liquid refreshment uh-huh. to people on a street corner up there in Brigham City uh, was holding a sign that in bold letters says, Ice Cold Beer. And this is like a little kid we're little talking kid. about. All right. I, I didn't catch his age on that. I think it didn't say, but he's just a, a, a kid, a like young kid. Eight, nine years old. Yeah, something okay. like that. All right. So he's got this big old so sign up. handing I, out free beer? Ice cold beer. Oh, not free. Just ice cold. He's selling it on the corner, and they've got the attention of many passers-by, so much so 
that they started calling the police department. Oh, they called the cops? They called the cops on the Kids just trying to sell some beer, man. And the, the, the cops came over, checked it out, and it turned out that in very small letters over the beer... The word beer? It said root. Ah. So, so he's, he's selling root beer, not beer beer, but the marketing ploy apparently worked because it's gotten a lot of people's attention. And then there's pictures of the police officer standing next to the young entrepreneur. Uh, and so I just I, I think that's, that's just kind of funny how people would be so concerned about that that they uh, were going to call the police. They called the cops on the kid. Wow, that seems like a quick trigger to call the cops. Why don't you go up to the to the kid and read the sign? Yeah, well, they didn't take the time to do that. And apparently, but it's working for him. I'm sure it is. He's getting a lot of publicity. We're talking about him right now. So good on him. I, I hope he sells a lot of root beer. You, Jake, are a real sourpuss about this kind of uh, entrepreneurship. I don't like the little kid lemonade stands. I don't like it. Why not? I, I find it obnoxious. I just want to drive through my neighborhood. I don't want to get shaken down by shaken eight, by down. eight year olds who are playing off my sympathies. All you gotta do is drive on by. Oh, you never make, buy Girl Scout cookies. They huh? make you feel terrible. Girl Scout cookies. At least they go through proper channels. Okay. These are just guerrilla businesses. And hey, by the way, it's probably. <laughs> Businesses. It's just a kid trying to be productive. It's probably the parents putting the kids on the street corners to shake money no, out of the neighbors. Get out of here. Parents don't care about that. Go back inside the and kids, play more video games. The kids are trying to make a dime. Oh, Come no, they're on. not. Oh, I can't stand it. I oh, drive by. You, you are they a always, heartless soul. They always yell at you like, free lemonade, free lemonade. And then you're driving by. They just make you feel terrible. Like well, you're, you're the worst order, person alive. It's free lemonade. I don't. No, well, no, it's no free. It's not free. My bad. What, but, what's the going rate these days? Fifty cents a bug for uh, a cup. Oh wow! If it's that, then I'm with Jake. It was it's usually like twenty five cents, but for a, a for buck a, for a Dixie, I might be with Jake on for this a one. little Dixie cup full of crappy crystal not light. Not a little Dixie cup. <laughs> it's bigger than that. And by the way, is the health department monitoring these these little? You're kids? worried about the health department. I don't want some neighborhood kid poisoning me. You? It's not like you don't know where he lives. And are these are these kids paying sales tax on that? No. Do they have a that, business license? They don't. There's ways <laughs> things are done on. in this country. You sound Jake. like you could be president. You are. What are you? I don't, I don't like I, it. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm proud of those kids. You know, instead of sitting in front of the TV set or playing video games, they're out there trying to earn their keep. Good on them. Go and get, go get a real I, job. I, I know a lot of people when you're eight. <laughs> I know a lot of people who go out of the way to stop at those kinds of stands. I know they're guilted into stopping. They're not, yes, they're, they're, they're better people than me. Fine. No, they want to reward the kids for being uh, ambitious. What's the matter with that? For being ambitious, please. Jake, you're worried about all kinds of things here. What are you saving the world by giving these kids a stiff arm? <laughs> Saving the world? I don't know about saving the world. <laughs> you just accused their parents and them of trying to shake down their neighbors. That's exactly what they're they doing. Are not. That is exactly what they're doing. I've. I, I, do you have a heart? By the way, good on this kid though for that. Now that's marketing. Now that's a lesson in oh, marketing. Oh, you're proud now, of this. Is, this you're, is you're a proud stand of this kid, huh? which which I could uh, support maybe. Maybe maybe a kid should say something like. Uh, Hard lemonade, or so isn't there some kind of uh, <laughs> hard lemonade is a thing, yeah, that's an alcoholic lemonade, yeah. yeah, it's not particularly good, but 
<laughs> Maybe you could have hard lemonade and then have hard to sell yeah. in small well, letters. I see what you did there. I don't know, Jake. I think you really I, – I, I, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed in you that you don't feel the inclination to stop and flip the kid a quarter or two or three. Come he flips him something. I'm worried about the health department. Oh, man. Have you paid your taxes? Come on, they're not making enough money to even qualify. See, Kylo Whittingham on Twitter says, being shaken down by lemonade stand kids may be America's greatest threat. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Conley's next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Three, two, one, one, one. The countdown is back on the Zone Sports Network. It's the fifth annual college football top 60 and 60. As we count you down to the start of the college football season. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty will announce another selection. I see you on Bob. Leading up to the start of the 2019 season. As voted on by the local media and you the fans. It's the top 60 and 60. Presented by Cypress Credit Union, the Southtown Auto Mall, and Master Electrical Service. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.